Our presentation today is Moving On by Reverend Matt Aspen. If you're a guest, our speaker today is our minister of the past two years, the Reverend Matt Aspen. Unfortunately for you and all of us, this is Reverend Matt's last day speaking to our congregation. Thus his title, Moving On. Reverend Matt is assuming the position of developmental minister at Lake County Unitarian Universalist Church in Heartland, Wisconsin. We certainly wish him all the best in his next position. Before I begin, let me first say uh, thank you for coming today. I was, I was here at 10 minutes of 10. There was about two people here, and I was like, man, it's a holiday weekend. They can, they can review the recording, but I'm glad to see that everybody came out today. I really appreciate it. There's a good bit of guidance out there for UU ministers that are taking their leave from a congregation on, a, on, a generally, on generally good terms. Most of this advice is actually structured in terms of the last three to four sermons that you give because most full-time UU ministers are in the pulpit three to four times a month, which allows for more gradual and complete exploration of topics over a series of Sundays. So I have a lot to get through today. <laughs> and I know that I am the thing that is between you and cake, so let's see, what, see how we do here. And although I've seen different orders and different words, the guidance about taking leave generally comes down to some version of thank you, I'm sorry, I forgive you, and goodbye. <laughs> or another one I found used the words praise, gratitude, lament, and hope. And I think actually this is the iteration that, that feels right to me. Most of this guidance is in place to remind me that we have journeyed this last stretch together in a pretty intimate relationship. And no matter how healthy our relationship was or how short or long it lasted, it's coming to an end. And in my role as minister, I have a responsibility to do all that I can to ensure that my departure does as little harm as possible to the future health of both the community as a whole and each of you, the individuals upon which this community is built. And of course, my leaving also comes right on the heels of one of the most significant general assemblies in decades, at a time when our chosen faith is experiencing significant challenges to its very foundation, and at a moment in history when the freedoms that many of our founders of this community dedicated their lives to securing for my generation are in the process of being systemically reversed by the highest court in the land. And so knowing me as you do, these are of course the things that I want to talk about. But I've been up here for two years talking to you about the importance of prioritizing relationship over righteousness. So I suppose I should start to follow my own advice. I'll do my best. So I'm gonna begin with praise. Ooh, <laughs> didn't expect that. Um, it's been an absolute honor to begin my ministerial career with you. You are a self-directed community filled with independent thinkers you actually wrestled with a decision to call a full-time minister in the first place, but you found a way to move forward together, 
despite many differing opinions. You strive obviously to be a community that is welcoming to all. You've shown that you are willing to do the never-ending work of trying to align your actions with a set of principles which at their core challenge us to remain open to the idea that there is always a more complete truth to be found if we remain willing to explore our current assumptions. That path is not always easy, but as you'll hear when I pivot to my hopes for the future, I truly believe it is the only hope that we have for saving ourselves. This community showed me what is possible when folks intentionally come together to simply take care of each other. You show up. You answer the call when a member or the wider community has a need. You take ownership for your collective outcomes, and you've shown over decades that you're willing to hang in together through the hard times for the sake of the greater good. I can't imagine a better place for this new minister to really begin understanding the strength that is available within an intentional community such as this, and the role that the minister might contribute to strengthening that community. This leads me into the next recommendation, which is to express my gratitude. And this one is by far the easiest of all. Thank you for being my first ministry. Thank you for putting your trust in me and allowing me to offer some support through some of your losses and some of your darkest times. Thank you for being willing to have hard conversations. And thank you for remaining respectful when we disagreed. Thank you for teaching me. And I can't read this. <laughs> and thank you for remain opening to learning together with me. That was an ad on the ride here. <laughs> In terms of the laments, I'm truly sorry if I said anything that made you feel personally judged. If you felt your voice wasn't being heard, I'm sorry if I didn't fight hard enough to help your concerns become amplified. I'm really sorry I couldn't clone myself. <laughs> the needs of the world will always seem bigger than our capacity, and that was definitely true in this case. Most of all, I'm sorry I had to make the decision to leave, just as we were really beginning to generate some momentum together. Most everyone has express expressed both disappointment and understanding but if your disappointment is feeling heavier than your understanding, then that is what I am truly sorry for. Which brings me now to the hope portion of my directive. I think I've done pretty good so far sticking to the strip, but hope is future looking. And I'll do my best not to overstate my own hopes as I share my hopes for your collective future. My biggest hope for this church should come as no surprise. I hope that you will continue to build upon the work we did around Covenant. You have many choices to make going forward and there may be many differing opinions regarding which paths to choose. If we truly believe as we claim in the democratic ideal, we must ensure our communities continually improve our skills at finding the synergistic third or fourth or fifth way 
between what seems at first glance to be a binary difference of opinion. The covenant you wrote in 2007 is the roadmap to this way of being, but it can only work if integrated into the fabric of everything you do and you don't allow it to just end up gathering dust in a binder after I'm gone. <sighs> My hope for our faith. This is where I run the risk of poking some emerging wounds that I won't be around as care for. So honestly, this is where I'm gonna have to tread lightly, but I can't, so here we go. <laughs> My hope for our faith is that it continues to strive to not only live up to its stated ideals, but continually strives to examine those ideals and consider them, consider them anew as history continues to reveal new perspectives that have been missing from our assumptions. My hope for our faith is pretty much summed up by the lines in that hymn we sang from 1933. Our kindred hearts and minds unite to build a church that shall be free, a freedom that reveres the past but trusts the dawning future more and bids the soul in search of truth adventure boldly and explore. Demographically, the current iteration of Unitarian Universalism is fading. 45% of millennials don't do church at all. And a facilitator at one of the sessions at General Assembly said that we are aging and shrinking and moving towards irrelevance in the world. Now some may see that as a problem, but of course I see it as an opportunity. We are in a time of great social upheaval and these are the times when great shifts in consciousness happen. I don't have a crystal ball, but I can see what's happening today, and I know from history just about where we are. Resources are becoming scarce, power is being consolidated by the elites, and fear is being used as a tactic to try to control the masses. One after another, the rights that many in this room fought for in your younger days and continue to fight for today are being stripped away. Anger is fueling the right and apathy is hampering the left. The rich are taking more and more of the resources, the poor are dying and the middle are kept just comfortable enough to be hamstrung in our reactions as to be confined to fighting to hold on to the status quo that created our comfort but is quickly changing into something more and more uncomfortable. What will happen next? No one can say for sure. But these moments are where my chosen tradition calls me to both faith and action. Faith in the belief of our idea that justice requires action. Faith that what we do matters. And a faith in the idea that most people just want to enjoy a safe and good life for themselves and their children. And most importantly, Faith that if you give good people an opportunity to create the future they crave, they will work together to bring that to life. The challenge that my faith is articulating is that there is a major shift in consciousness needed if we are to ever hope to achieve the ideals we aspire to in our current sixth principle, the goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. We are beginning to understand for that, that for our adolescent democracy to mature and achieve its full potential, 
will require each of us to move our definitions of success from an individual basis to a collective focus. Because truth is, we've seen what a focus on our own small individual wants leads to. Capitalism feeds that need quite well for those of us that are lucky enough to fit the mold and capable enough to successfully play the game. I heard a bit on NPR a few months back. It was an author that had just written a book, and I'm sorry that I didn't catch the name and I, and I wasn't able to, 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 to find it. But I think what they talked about illustrates this, this, what I'm talking about perfectly. They were telling the story in the first person, but it sounds to me like an ancient text that is a story that has been brought forward, but it was told in the first person. They basically said that their mother had, um, had been a refugee from another country and had established herself in this country. And as she was raising him, she continually told him a story about this paradise that was in, her, in, in the place where she came from. It was, a, it was a valley surrounded by beautiful mountains. There was beautiful, you know, paradise, right? All, all the things that you might imagine. And so he heard this was drilled into him, you know, year after year as a child that our home is, is the most beautiful place. So he finally gets the opportunity to go back there and he goes on a long journey. He has to take a boat ride to, to get into the, the cut between the mountains. And sure enough, it is this lush, perfect tropical paradise with unlimited resources and it's really, I, he says it's, it's first person. I think this is, this is an old story. So he, so he realizes that his mother was right. But being the curious bloke that most of us are, he decides to climb up the mountain and see what's over the other side. And as you might imagine, there was just miles and miles as far as you could see of poverty and, and hurt and pain. That story for me really described the state of things pretty well. As long as I can remain secluded in my own small, self-created comfort bubble and don't look over the hill, my life feels pretty beautiful. But the painful life on the other side of the mountain is beginning to expand and is starting to inch its way closer and closer to the top of the hill and spill over into this imagined paradise. One strategy that more and more in this country are choosing is to try to fight this reality back, to keep it out of consciousness, erect a wall, keep anyone deemed as other out, regardless of the consequences, define who is and is not in and out, and dole out just enough to keep the in-group comfortable and the rest be damned. My faith, Unitarian Universalism, is choosing a different path the path of love. My faith is teaching me to not only climb the mountain and take an unflinching look at what's on the other side, but to actually head down the slope and begin to go know my neighbors on the other side who are struggling. And not to just try to give them a few bits from my wealth, but instead to recognize that as long as I view anyone else as an other, my attempts to help will never be enough. In a finite world, at some point, the problems that I wish could stay out of my paradise will just overwhelm the mountain and begin to erode my comfortable existence. It is already happening, and we know this to be true. 
I believe the only way to solve for this, and I can see the younger, younger generation has already begun to figure this out, is to create a new way, a path that recognizes that we are all in this together. What impacts you impacts me. We are all interdependent. And the only way to ensure that we all succeed is to learn how to work together for the common good. This means learning how, or perhaps remembering how, to communicate with those who appear to be different from us. My hope then is that we will finally mature as a peoples to move beyond our own petty comforts and truly lean into the work that it will take to create the heaven on earth that the early followers of Christ were trying to describe before the Roman powers took over the messaging and turn those prophetic ideals of loving one's neighbor as oneself and doing unto others as a tactic of control. One strength of our democracy is that although we come together for some things, we are also made up of 50 different experiments regarding how society can best take care of the needs of its citizens. Each state does its own thing within the structure provided by our agreed upon laws and we get to see how 50 different approaches work or don't work to achieve the outcomes that we value. Now, whether or not each state is actually willing to learn from those differences, that could be a different story. But our faith tradition is set up similarly. We are made up of a thousand different communities, each with its own idiosyncrasies, but united by a shared set of ideals. Any one of us on our own is too small to make much of a difference in the world. But as a collective, we have pretty huge potential. Our challenge then is to remember that we are a small part of a greater whole. We can become stronger when we remain open to the lessons that are being learned in other communities, and we can help to strengthen the whole when we become willing to share what we've learned with others. This community has a lot to teach the world about how to be a loving, supportive community. And as our faith reminds us, there are always more lessons to learn. My charge to you then is to keep doing the best of what you have always done. Continue to welcome all that come through your doors. <clears throat> and continue to take radically good care of each other. Commit to sharing what you have learned works with others and remain willing to discuss new ideas that in some cases may challenge your very core beliefs. These are the highest aspirations of this faith. This is what the world desperately needs today and this is what has always made this community so strong. It is time for me to take my leave from you now. As I hope you are aware, my ministerial covenant compels me to close this chapter firmly to allow you to continue forward on your path without my interference. Know that I will surely be cheering you on from afar. Know that I will be sharing everything that you've taught me with each community I am gifted to interact with in the future. Thank you for nurturing this seed and helping my ministry begin to sprout. I commit to amplifying the best parts of what you have taught me into the wider world for the betterment of all. Blessed be.
and may it be so. Thank you, Reverend Matt. We hope we can live up to some of those ideals. <laughs> <laughs>